0: This recording was produced by Green Lane Masjid. For more information on the activities and services the mosque provides, please visit www.greenlanemasjid.org. Assalamu <laughs> alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Alhamdulillahi alameen. Ar-Rahmanin al-Rahim al-Rahim al-Aliq yawmidin. Allahumma wa alhamdulillayka al wa bika thika tu alayka tu wa la wa la quwwata illa billahil al-Aliyil Rabbi li wa yasir li amri. وحل من يفقه قولي اللهم لا سهل الا ما جعلته تجعل الحزن اذا شئت سهلا اللهم صل وسلم على سيدنا وحبيبنا محمد وعلى اله وصحبه ومن So uh, we continuing on lesson we were going through al um, we were speaking about fasting and the following several verses and ayats uh, will be about uh, hajj. As we get along, a will be about hajj. And the first juz, and I mentioned this several times, the first juz of Surah Al-Baqarah, it almost has zero ahkam, rulings in it. And all of it is about, uh, so the first 20 or so pages of Surah Al-Baqarah is telling you about the Banu of Israel telling you about how they uh, conducted themselves, how they fell short in obeying their messengers. And as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then uh, moves on from that qissa, he tells us about how we should be like. Now that you know how you should be behaving, how you should be with regards to the commandments, and this is even in the beginning when, when Musa says to his people, do as you are being commanded. After you have been told many, many times what you should do when you are commanded, given examples of prophets who obeyed and listened, you're going to be given many, many, many rulings, such as we spoke about the prayer uh, and uh, the qibla change, uh, Ramadan and fasting, rulings related to judiciary and uh, retribution when someone commits a crime. And now we're going to be entering the ayat related to hajj. Before I continue my class, this will be the final class and we will be stopping for Ramadan. So we will be stopping for Ramadan. Uh, uh, so will there be no tafsir in Ramadan? Uh, rather, there will be a lot of tafsir in Ramadan. Every single day here at the masjid, uh, Sheikh Ahsan Hanif will be going through tafsir al sadi He will be covering 10 juz over the period of Ramadan. Last year, he did uh, the first 10 juz from Baqarah, tell about Toba, Toba, and he's going to continue that uh, all the way until the 20th Jews. That's happening every single day at 2 o'clock after Dhuhr, up to 4 o'clock for 2 hours. You can watch that online, or you can actually attend. So this is one of the programs that will be happening every single day of Ramadan. There's tafsir uh, happening uh, in the masjid with Sheikh Ahsan. Uh, so you can feel free to attend. If you can't attend some days, attend others, and you can also watch them online as they will be live streamed. Uh, after Asr, every single day of Ramadan, we will have a Qur'an halaqah. So our Imam, uh, Qali Zakawullah, will be giving a halaqah where he will be reading the Qur'an and others will be reading after him and he will be correcting and, and, uh, and teaching. This will be happening every single day of Ramadan as well after Asr. There's other programs that will be happening as well. But those two are like the main ones that are happening during the day in the masjid. You can always attend the masjid for iftar and there's of course Raweeh. After every single day of wittir, there will be a reminder as well. So if you come pray here, uh, after wittir, there there will be a reminder and different mashayikh will be rotating. So uh, that's what we have planned for Ramadan. So this is our last lesson until we come back after Eid الباري, if Allah allows us may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, give us a righteous and long life Ameen طيب. So the last ayah that we done was verse or ayah number 187 we're just talking about some of the things that as a fasting person you are not allowed to do and some that you are allowed to do. So what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions, Uhila lakum lilatul siyami rafatu ila nisa'ikum, huuna libasun lakum, antum libasun lahun. That ayah was speaking about that Allah has made lawful for the men and the women to have relations at night when they were fasting during the day. This is halal for you. Uh, and, uh, we mentioned the story behind this and how some of the Sahaba, uh, at first when this was not allowed, fell into it and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentioned this that Allah forgave them and that now you are allowed in, in, the, in the night time to engage in relations uh, of course you're not allowed during the day because that would break your fast and then the three things that break your fast are mentioned in this ayah uh, of, uh, the eating, drinking and being uh, having physical relations those are the three things that break your fast any other things that you know that break your fast there's dispute in it And and that that doesn't mean that that it doesn't break your fast. It just means that some scholars hold the opinion that it doesn't. What are the three things that absolutely break your fast and there is no khilaf in it? Eating, drinking, and jima'ah. Those those three things. طيب Um, Again, if you want some more detail about the fiqh of fasting, there's plenty of sources available uh, on our uh, uh, YouTube page. طيب Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then uh, talked about how long we can eat and drink during the day and how long that lasts. فَكُلُوا وَاشْرَبُوا حَتَّى يَتَبَيَّنَ لَكُمُ الْخَيْطُ الْأَبِيَضُ بِنَ الْخَيْطُ الْأَسْوَدُ Until the white thread is visible from the black thread. And this is an analogy. It doesn't mean literal black thread or literal white thread. It just means once the day and the night can be clearly seen the distinction. So when the horizon lights up a horizontal way and you see the twilight, this is when you need to stop eating. Of course, we go by a timetable because we cannot actually see it. Um, And then you continue your fasting Until it's night of course uh, Which means when the sun sets And then Allah said Do not have relations While you are doing i'tikaf in the masajid While you are doing i'tikaf in the masajid A few points about i'tikaf Number one I'tikaf is an act of worship That happens only in the masjid Only in the masjid So you cannot do i'tikaf at home You cannot do i'tikaf at home I'tikaf uh, it's how long must it be for it to be valid. There's khilaf. Some scholars say it has to be one day at least. Others say it can be less. Um, when is the most blessed time to do itikaf? In the month of Ramadan, especially the last 10. Is itikaf limited to the three main masajid only? No. Allah says in the Qur'an here, وَأَنْتُمْ you are making itikaf in the mosques. So that could be any mosque. Of course, that mosque should be a mosque where the juma'ah and jama'ah is being established because among the rulings of i'tikaf is that you cannot leave the masjid. So if you decide that you're going to be doing i'tikaf here, for example, that means you can't go out and get a coffee, chat with a friend, or something along those lines. You need to be in the masjid, right? So are you stuck in the masjid until your i'tikaf is over? Technically, yes. And you can only leave when it is necessary. When it is necessary. So if it's not necessary, you shouldn't leave. Also, the time period you're doing itikaf it's time for worship. So it wouldn't make much sense if you decide to do itikaf that you're spending time on your phone, browsing the internet or engaging in things that are idle. You should ensure that you're busy with worship and give that time to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Then Allah said Tilka Hadul Allah those are the limits of Allah, meaning the rules that have just been mentioned. Don't have relations during the day. You can during the night. Don't do it or you're doing i'tikaf. So another thing is, when you're doing i'tikaf, you can't have, of course, relations with your, with your wives. This is also something that would break your i'tikaf as well. Allah then said, فَلَا تَقْرَبُوهَا Do not go near those limits. So whenever Allah makes something haram, Allah says, do not go near it. Because the point of it is not just to, 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 to not do it is to, to stay away from it as best as possible and just like that Allah clarifies his ayats to the people so that they may attain taqwa and become among the pious then Allah said أموالكم, and do not eat each other's wealth and property بالباطل, unjustly do not eat consume steal each other's property and wealth Without a, a just cause So what would be a just cause If you gift me something If I buy it from you This would be, this would be a just cause Anything that is unjust Meaning theft, fraud Or anything of that sort and nature Allah is telling us That we are not allowed to do that And not just that Allah says وَلَا تَأْكُلُوا أَمْوَالَكُمْ And do not eat one another's property بَيْنَكُمْ Between each other بِالْبَاطِلِ Unjustly In any illegal way and then you escalated to your rulers, is one of the tafaseer. So you claim that, I claim that that phone is mine, and it's not. And we argue about it, and I know it's not mine. I'm like, let's go to the court, and we, I take it to the highest level, knowing full well that this is not mine. Of course, this is a greater sin than just the claiming and trying to steal. Another tafsir so, is, وَتُدُّوا بِهَا الْحُكَامِ And you bribe with this wealth the rulers. So, don't steal and don't bribe. Don't steal and don't bribe. And this is one of the ayats that clearly tell us that bribery is also something that is not allowed. Right? When you get something under the table so that a favor can be done for you. This is not an Islamic act. Should not be done and cannot be done. لِتَأْكُلُوا فَرِيقًا مِنْ أَمْوَالِ النَّاسِ So that you can then... Uh, knowingly eat uh, the property of, uh, of the other people, bil و... سِنْفَلِي sinfully sinfully. While you know. So, everyone knows that stealing is wrong. Everyone knows that we shouldn't consume other people's property, or take it from them. And this is among the major sins. It is a major sin to steal. It is a major sin to commit fraud. It's a major sin to do any of these things. And Allah will ask you about it. And these, th- this type of sin is especially, especially dangerous. Because it is from حقوق nas, right? It's from the rights of the people. And generally speaking, sins are distinguished in two ways, or they are categorized in two. Sometimes you commit a sin, and the only person you're wronging is yourself, right? Sometimes you commit a sin, and the only person you're wronging is yourself, right? A personal sin that you did, right? You delayed a prayer, or something along those lines, right? Um, you ate on purpose while you were supposed to be fasting. Who did you harm? You're harming yourself, but you didn't harm anyone else. right? This would be a personal sin. And this requires repentance. This requires you seeking Allah's forgiveness. But it's between you and Allah. The good thing about it is, it's between you and Allah, and Allah is the most merciful. It's between you and Allah, and Allah is the most merciful. But if you harm others, steal from others, insult others, backbite them, then it's not just between you and Allah. It's between you and Allah and that person and Allah is the most just Allah is the most just so when it is, when you commit sin such as stealing in this ayah and bribery and deceiving and all of this all of this then you are not you transgressed upon that person which means that you have to uh, pay that person back justice must be served and how is it done in two ways either in dunya or in akhirah either in dunya or in akhirah so uh, if uh, you committed something like that to people, right? If you, if, you, if you stole from people or whatever the case is, then for Allah to forgive you is contingent on them forgiving you or on you giving that wealth back, right? So it is not erased from your books unless you've given that back or unless they have forgiven you. And if they haven't, then you will be asked about it. And on the day of judgment, the currency is not money, it is good deeds. The currency is not money, it's good deeds. And uh, this is why the Prophet ﷺ one time he asked his companions, uh, who among you knows who a muflis is? A muflis is someone that owns nothing, he's it's a, it's a loser, someone that has lost all of his wealth. But then they said, oh Allah, Allah and his messenger knows best. Prophet ﷺ said, or, or someone said is the one that has no wealth. The Prophet ﷺ said the true Muflis is the one who will be brought on of judgment and he has insulted this person, stole from that person, did this to that person, oppressed that person, and then he will be giving them back all of his good deeds. Now Imagine someone went to Hajj, gave charity, was good to his parents, and all of that he has to give it away because he couldn't let uh, control his mouth or he couldn't help himself but to, to take other people's wealth or whatever the case is. And then they'll have to pay that back with, 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 with their good deeds until there's no more good deeds left. And then they will be pushing putting their sins on that person. So this is one of the dangers of taking other people's hukuq. What should you do if you stole from someone but you can't find them? What should you do? Who can tell me? What do you do if you, if you stole from someone and you don't remember who they were or you can't find them and you want to somehow get rid of that? تفضل أخي. You give sadaqa on there behalf. Very good. You take that amount of money and you give sadaqah on their behalf and you make a lot of istighfar. And you give a lot of sadaqah just generally as well. Right? And that should be part of your repentance. What if it was an insult? What if it was an insult? What do you do? Uh, Ali? You speak good about them. What else? You make lots of dua for them. You make lots of dua for them. You harm them with your speech, now help them with your speech. Right, This is what you do. And the best repentance is the one where your repentance is connected to your sin. So if you sinned financially, let your repentance be something good that you're doing financially. If you sinned with uh, whatever it was, right? These are some of the things that you should all keep in mind. And may Allah protect us from all types of sin. Um, there is one interesting mas'ala that is brought up sometimes. Uh, example would be the uh, the man that killed a hundred. The man that killed a hundred, right? The, the قصص معروف and Allah forgave him, right? And it ends up it's a positive story where his repentance was accepted. And some of the questions that the ulema ask is, well, what about the hundred people that he killed? We get that Allah forgives him, right? And the malaik of Jannah came and took him, but what about the people that he killed? How will they be compensated? Should Justice not be served. Is Allah not the most just? Yes and yes. Some of the ulama, they said that uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will give them that which pleases them in return. So Allah will compensate them on, on, on His behalf. Uh, does that make sense? So they will be given their due on their judgment. Right? They've been oppressed. And because what happens is, the Prophet told us that the person that was killed, will ask Allah, Oh Allah, please ask him, why did he kill me? Right? And this is of course when the whole aspect of giving you deeds will happen. But the ulama said, okay, so how did he go to Jannah with a hundred people waiting for him? Some of the ulama said that Allah will compensate them on, on, on his behalf with his mercy. And this is, so they will be uh, fulfilled or happy uh, with what they've been given and he will be forgiven and Allah knows best. Allah knows best. Okay. The following ayah is talking about the ahillah. The ahillah is the plural for hilal. they ask you Muhammad Anil about the new moons. About the new moons, right? Hilal is the is the moon, right? Ul Muhammad, Hiya They are signs to mark fixed periods of for mankind and they are also for the sake of the pilgrimage, for the hajj. And piety and righteousness is not that you enter the houses from the back, but al uh, true piety is whoever has taqwa of Allah, and min awabiha, enter houses through their proper doors, the front doors. What taqullah, and fear Allah and have taqwa, la so that you may be successful. So what is this ayah talking about? And there's a lot of things that I mentioned here. It starts by Allah saying, it's alunuk oh Muhammad, they will ask you about the new moons. Now, the Prophet ﷺ was asked about this. And there is the ulema mentioned that, they were, the, that the Prophet was asked about what is, uh, tell us about the function and the purpose and the wisdom behind the crescent and the moon. Right? What is the hikmah? What is it for? And we, also, we all know and if you, that the way we count the, the, the months in Islam, it is a lunar year. It's a lunar year, right? So Muharram is the first, Muharram, Safar, and then it goes all the way up to the last month of the year. What's the last month of the year? Dhul-Hijjah. <speaking in foreign language> do you have only 11 months? Dhul-Hijjah, <speaking in foreign language> naam. So that's, those are uh, the lunar. The lunar uh, they're based on the moon. What does that mean? So when the, when the month starts, everyone is looking. That's why we talk about moon sighting every year, right? I think we have one coming in a few days, right? Where the moon sighting was. Everyone, it's been seen, it's not been seen. Should we fast, should we not fast, right? What is this based upon? What are they looking for when they are saying we saw the moon? They don't see a full moon. What do they actually see? They see what? The crescent, which is very small. And it's almost not visible to the eye. That's day one. So, day one of Ramadan. And then it grows, it grows, it grows, it grows, it grows. And by the time it's a semicircle, it's about eight or seven days in. And a full circle is the middle of the month. So if you ever see a full moon, know it's in the middle of the month. Whatever month, you should know. I mean, like, we don't really keep track of the, of the um, uh, we keep track of the, uh, the Islamic calendar as we should. But if you ever walk outside, or you're driving outside and you see a full moon, it's either the 14th or the 15th. It's the middle of the month. طيب then it starts getting smaller again smaller again smaller again smaller again and by the time it's a semicircle again تغريبا three weeks have gone by and then it keeps getting smaller and smaller until it disappears and when it appears again it is the first of the following month that's how it works right? that's how they used to count the, 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 uh, the moon the, the months and you have 12 of those and then it starts over again so based on that, actually, from based on just this information, you should be able to kind of guess, right? Imagine what what day of the week it is, not what day of the week it is, but what how far into the month we are. Especially in Ramadan, try it. If you can see this it, Ramadan, try it. Uh, you're gonna be oh it's about four days in, right? Four days in, five days in, it's gonna be a semicircle, that's about seven, eight uh, that's the first week gone. So you can really and this is how they lived. They never there were no watches. Or other ways to tell time other than this, right? طيب. So that is the, the cycle. Now, what is it for? What is the hikmah behind it? Allah says, is the jama' of waqt. It is to tell the times for the people, right? Marked fixed periods of time, right? This is Ramadan, this is Dhul Hijjah, this is. and all of that based on what? The moon. Rashawar started, Ramadan finished, etc., etc. Hajj And it is also for hajj. So these are the two uh, uh, hikmas uh, behind it. Uh, 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 for uh, hajj. Is it just for hajj? What about fasting and Ramadan? It's also. So why was fasting not mentioned? Why was hajj mentioned? Because uh, the the context of this ayah, the question that was asked was related to hajj. So the answer was about hajj. Ta'ib. The uh, Abu Hanifa, alayhi, or some of the ulama uh, of the Hanafi madhab, may Allah have mercy on them, they use this ayah as a daleel that Hajj doesn't have a specific time. Uh, it is uh, the the purpose of the of the of the months, and the is is for people to tell the times and for Hajj. Therefore, any month you can do Hajj, just like you can do any month you can do Umrah. But this is a very minority opinion. And the reason for that is because Allah says in, in, in the following ayat, Al-hajj has specific months. So hajj has specific months. What can you do throughout the year? It's Umrah. Not hajj, but Umrah. So Umrah you can do it now. In fact, in Ramadan, it's actually a very blessed time to do Umrah. And uh, it's hajj that has a very specific time. Ta'ib. Then there is another thing that this ayah is referencing, which is some of the... the uh, the things that people used to do in Jahiliyyah as it relates to when they would go to Hajj. So people used to go to Hajj before Islam, right? A few things to know, know is that the Prophet wasn't the first one to do Hajj. In fact, Prophet mentioned that other prophets other prophets also visited the house and performed the Hajj. In fact, we know who built the house, who built the Kaaba. Prophet Ibrahim alayhi right? طيب. So, prophets would go and visit this blessed place. Uh, and even Quraysh, they would perform their own hajj. So, hajj is not alien to them. They knew about it, right? The way they did it, of course, it has a lot of problems in it. Not, not to mention the biggest problem, which is that they were either worshippers. Um, so, some of the adat, some of the customs they had, was if someone decides that they were going, especially for the Ansar and the people from Medina, when they decided to go to Umrah or, or hajj, or when they decided to go out and they are in a state of ihram. A state of ihram is when you are in a state where you, uh, of course, have decided and made the intention to, to perform, and that's when you certain things you're not allowed to do, etc. So, they uh, would then have a, a rule when they come, if, you, they, if they come back to their houses, they would not enter it through the front door. And they felt that they, they believed that that was uh, an a, uh, a omen, a bad luck, that they shouldn't do it. They would never enter from the front door. So they would either use like a ladder and go on top, or they would come in from the back. And they would believe this is the most righteous thing to do. Right? What is the most righteous thing to do? Right? Come from the back entrance, or uh, uh, jump over, but do not enter into the front entrance. Right? And this is, so this was something that was from the Jahili period, and then it, it, it was left over, So, even when when after Islam, after the Prophet and the Sahaba, some were thinking about doing this. So, this is being now rectified. So, Allah is saying, And righteousness is not to uh, enter into the houses from the back. That's not righteousness. That's not righteousness. You might think it is, but it is not. Rather, righteousness is to have taqwa of Allah. To fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then Allah said, enter your houses through their proper doors. So here you learn a very crucial and important lesson. And that is that, who decides what's righteous and what's not? It is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It's not your custom. It's not your culture. It's not what you think it is. Who decides what's righteous, what's correct? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and His Messenger. And this also teaches you that, a very important principle that Imam al-Qurtubi mentions in his tafsir, which is that, Good intentions alone are not enough to worship Allah. Good intentions alone. Oh, I did this out of my devotion to Allah. I'm a devout worshiper. I'm going to do something and just decide, you know, right? If, you, if, if I say, you know what, I'm going to stand all night long. Just stand and get tired until my back hurts. And this is for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This wouldn't work because for an act of worship, To be accepted by Allah is not enough to have good intention. What else is missing? It has to be done in accordance to the laws of Allah. So Allah did not send us the prophets to teach us to worship Him alone, just that, but also how to worship Him. So it's a package. The prophets tell you who to worship and how to worship. So if you got who to worship right, you can't say, well, I'm worshiping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala but in any way that I want. Like one time someone told me this, well, something very shocking subhanallah that there was a sister may Allah guide her and she was told to pray and she said I'm not gonna pray like why not I decide how I worship Allah I decide how I worship Allah and I don't have to be confined to this five daily regimen I'll worship Allah the way I like and I'm a Muslim and you can never tell me otherwise (laughs) you see the problem here the problem is that people think that they can decide themselves, right? But, طيب, where does that end? If, what if someone says, 114 chapters, I'm gonna add two of my own. I decide what's right and what's wrong. I decide what we believe in, right? It, it has no end. What is the point of messengers if people can decide how to worship, right? This is, this is a very big problem. So, this ayah, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying, It is not from righteousness to enter into the homes from the back door as an act of worship to Allah or whatever the case is after you perform hajj or when you are in a state of ihram. This is not righteousness. This is not doubting the intention of the people that are doing it. This is not saying you had bad intentions to begin with. It's saying no matter how good your intentions were, this is not how you worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Just like if somebody decided to pray that way for fajr. right? No matter how good your intentions may be, that will not be accepted from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this is something very important to remember always. Prophets do not only teach us who to worship, they also teach us how to worship. And if you decide that you're going to worship correctly, but not Allah, then you fell into shirk. If you decide you're going to worship Allah, but not correctly, you fell into bidah. And those are the things that you need to be very careful of. One will one one will lead to bid'ah, the other will lead to shirk. May Allah protect us from both. May Allah protect us from both. And there's a verse that combines them. So the last ayah in Surah Al-Kaf, it combines them. Whoever hopes to meet Allah, which is all hope to meet Allah, let him do righteous actions. In meaning, they have to be in accordance to the laws of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the book of Allah and the, the Prophet Not do any shirk or associate partners with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So those are two, 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 the two things, right? Uh, ensure that your actions are in accordance to what has been revealed, and avoid worshipping other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this is why Allah is saying here, righteousness is the ones who have taqwa, enter into the homes from the front what taqwa of Allah, لعلكم تفلحون, so that you may be successful. True success lies in having piety and taqwa. Another point to mention was that why was it important and why was it stressed that uh, the, the, the months are for people to, like another know, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions, لتعلموا عدد السِّنِينَ well, You may know the count of the years, and you can, you can you can hold them, you can enumerate them, and you know what time it is, when it is. This is also some of the wisdoms behind the Ahillah and the months. Um, but also, there was an another habit that the uh, idol-worshipping Quraysh used to do, and that was how many months are are considered um, so what i looking for sacred in Islam. Now, these four months that were sacred, the Arabs they knew they were sacred as well. So it wasn't something that was just for the Muslims to know; everyone knew. And some of the things that they didn't do in that month was they wouldn't go to war. So they would avoid bloodshed because they are in the sacred months, right? So sometimes they would be eager to go to war, but they would be eager to do something that you might not do in the in the month. Uh, in, the, in the sacred months. So they will just decide that that, that this is not the month. They'll just, just say, you know what, we're moving February forward, like that. So we're gonna, it's Muharram now, we can't do it, but we really want to invade this tribe. What should we do? Can we all just decide that Muharram is next month? <laughs> and they will just push it forward, or push it backwards, and they will play around with the year like this, right? And they would, so they would push their Hajj forward if they wanted to. They would push the, the holy and sacred months forward. And Allah mentioned this is called Nasiyah. This is what they, they would either push it forward or backwards and they would play around the year to suit their, their needs, their wicked needs. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's ayah is refuting that concept as well. No, uh, it's, it's a fixed time. Right? طيب. Um, so, we covered Ikhwani Filad Ayat related to fasting last week. Um, we entered now into the ayat that are going to speak and about hajj. Hajj is referenced now here, briefly, but it's going to be more detailed. And also other ayat that have to do with um, with fighting, uh, with hajj, and and with sadaqah uh, and, and others as well. And we will continue this, all of this, uh, inshallah, ta'ala after Ramadan. After Ramadan. In the meantime there's plenty of tafsir that will be happening in the masjid like I mentioned so I hope to see you all here at Dhuhr time in the first of Ramadan if you have the time of course I know a lot of you are working perhaps and kind of make it but in any case you can always watch it online and uh, I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make us of those that love the Quran act upon the Quran listen to the Quran read the Quran and are among the people that will be um, that the Quran uh, intercedes on their behalf Amin ya rabbal alameen Jazakumullah khair Assalamualaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh